Chapter 10 of The Man in the Iron Mask by Alexandre Dumas, translated by William Robson. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Monsieur Colbert's Rough Draft Vanel, who entered at this stage of the conversation, was nothing less for Aramis and Fouquet than the full stop which completes a phrase. But for Vanel, Aramis's presence in Fouquet's cabinet had quite another significance, and therefore, at his first step into the room, he paused as he looked at the delicate yet firm features of the Bishop of Van, and his look of astonishment soon became one of scrutinizing attention. As for Fouquet, a perfect politician, that is to say, complete master of himself, he had already, by the energy of his own resolute will, contrived to remove from his face all traces of the emotion which Aramis's revelation had occasioned. He was no longer, therefore, a man overwhelmed by misfortune and reduced to resort to expedients. He held his head proudly erect and indicated by a gesture that Vanel could enter. He was now the first minister of the state and in his own palace. Aramis knew the superintendent well. The delicacy of the feelings of his heart and the exalted nature of his mind no longer surprised him. He confined himself then, for the moment, intending to resume later an active part in the conversation, to the performance of the difficult part of a man who looks on and listens, in order to learn and understand. Vanel was visibly overcome, and advanced into the middle of the cabinet, bowing to everything and everybody. "'I am here,' he said. "'You are punctual, Monsieur Vanel,' returned Fouquet. "'In matters of business, Monseigneur,' replied Vanel, "'I look upon exactitude as a virtue.' "'No doubt, Monsieur.' "'I beg your pardon,' interrupted Aramis, indicating Vanel with his finger but addressing himself to Fouquet. "'This is the gentleman, I believe, who has come about the purchase of your appointment.' "'Yes, I am,' replied Vanel, astonished at the extremely haughty tone in which Aramis had put the question. "'But in what way am I to address you, who do me the honor? "'Call me Monseigneur,' replied Aramis dryly. Vanel bowed. "'Come, gentlemen, a truce to these ceremonies. "'Let us proceed to the matter itself.' "'Monseigneur sees,' said Vanel, "'that I am awaiting your pleasure.' "'On the contrary, I am waiting,' replied Fouquet. "'What for may I be permitted to ask, Monseigneur?' "'I thought that you had perhaps something to say.' "'Oh,' said Vanel to himself, "'he has reflected on the matter, and I am lost.' But resuming his courage, he continued, "'No, Monseigneur, nothing, absolutely nothing more than what I said to you yesterday, and which I am again ready to repeat to you now.' "'Come, now, tell me frankly, Monsieur Vanel, is not the affair rather a burdensome one for you?' "'Certainly, Monseigneur. Fourteen hundred thousand francs is an important sum.' "'So important, indeed,' said Fouquet that i have reflected you have been reflecting do you say monseigneur exclaimed vanel anxiously yes that you might not yet be in a position to purchase oh 
monseigneur do not make yourself uneasy on that score monsieur venel i shall not blame you for a failure in your word which evidently may arise from inability on your part oh yes monseigneur you would blame me and you would be right in doing so said venel for a man must either be very imprudent or a fool to undertake engagements which she cannot keep and i at least have always regarded a thing agreed on as a thing actually carried out fouquet colored while aramis uttered a of impatience you would be wrong to exaggerate such notions as those monsieur said the superintendent for a man's mind is variable and full of these very excusable caprices which are however sometimes estimable enough and a man may have wished for something yesterday of which he repents to-day Benel felt a cold sweat trickle down his face monseigneur he muttered aramis who was delighted to find the superintendent carry on the debate with such clearness and precision stood leaning on his arm upon the marble top of a console table and began to play with a small gold knife with a malachite handle fouquet did not hasten to reply but after a moment's pause come my dear monsieur venel he said i will explain to you how i am situated venel began to tremble yesterday i wished to sell monseigneur did more than wish to sell he actually sold well well that may be so but to-day i ask you the favor to restore me my word which i pledged you i received your word as a satisfactory assurance that it would be kept i know that and that is the reason why i now entreat you do you understand me i entreat you to restore it to me fouquet suddenly paused the words i entreat you the effect of which he did not immediately perceive seemed almost to choke him as he uttered it aramis still playing with his knife fixed a look upon venel which seemed as if he wished to penetrate the recesses of his heart venel simply bowed as he said i am overcome monseigneur at the honor you do me to consult me upon a matter of business which is already completed but nay do not say but dear monsieur venel alas monseigneur you see he said as he opened a large pocket-book i have brought the money with me the whole sum i mean and here monseigneur is the contract of sale which i have just effected of a property belonging to my wife the order is authentic in every particular the necessary signatures have been attached to it and it is made payable at sight it is ready money in fact and in one word the whole affair is complete my dear monsieur venel there is not a matter of business in this world however important it may be which cannot be postponed in order to oblige a man who by that means might and would be made a devoted friend certainly said venel awkwardly and 
much more justly acquired would that friend become monsieur venel since the value of the service he has received would have been so considerable well what do you say what do you decide venel preserved a perfect silence in the meantime aramis had continued his close observation of the man Vanel's narrow face, his deeply sunken eyes, his arched eyebrows, had revealed to the Bishop of Van the type of an avaricious and ambitious character. Aramis's method was to oppose one passion by another. He saw that Monsieur Fouquet was defeated, morally subdued, and so he came to his rescue with fresh weapons in his hands. "'Excuse me, Monseigneur,' he said. "'You forgot to show Monsieur Vanel.' that his own interests are diametrically opposed to this renunciation of the sale. Vanel looked at the bishop with astonishment. He had hardly expected to find an auxiliary in him. Fouquet also paused to listen to the bishop. "'Do you not see,' continued Aramis, "'that Monsieur Vanel, in order to purchase your appointment, has been obliged to sell a property belonging to his wife? Well, that is no slight matter, for one cannot displace as he has done fourteen or fifteen hundred thousand francs without some considerable loss and very serious inconvenience perfectly true said venel whose secret aramis had with keen-sighted gaze wrung from the bottom of his heart inconveniences such as these are matters of great expense and calculation and whenever a man has money matters to deal with the expenses are generally the very first thing thought of. Yes, yes, said Fouquet, who began to understand Aramis's meaning. Venel remained perfectly silent. He, too, had understood him. Aramis observed his coldness of manner and his silence. Very good, he said to himself. You are waiting, I see, until you know the amount. But do not fear. I shall send you such a flight of crowns that you cannot but capitulate on the spot. We must offer Monsieur Venel a hundred thousand crowns at once, said Fouquet, carried away by his generous feelings. The sum was a good one. A prince, even, would have been satisfied with such a bonus. A hundred thousand crowns at that period was the dowry of a king's daughter. Venel, however, did not move. "'He is a perfect rascal,' thought the bishop. "'Well, we must offer the five hundred thousand francs at once.' And he made a sign to Fouquet accordingly. "'You seem to have spent more than that, dear Monsieur Venel,' said the superintendent. "'The price of ready money is enormous. "'You must have made a great sacrifice in selling your wife's property. "'Well, what can I have been thinking of?' i ought to have offered to sign you an order for five hundred thousand francs and even in that case i shall feel that i am greatly indebted to you there was not a gleam of delight or desire on venel's face which remained perfectly impassable not a muscle of it changed in the slightest degree aramis cast a look almost of despair at fouquet and then going straight up to Venel and taking hold of him by the coat in a familiar manner, he said, "'Monsieur Venel, it is neither the inconvenience 
nor the displacement of your money nor the sale of your wife's property even that you are thinking of at this moment it is something more important still i can well understand it so pay particular attention to what i am going to say yes monseigneur Fenel replied beginning to tremble in every limb as the prelate's eyes seemed almost ready to devour him i offer you therefore in the superintendent's name not three hundred thousand livres nor five hundred thousand but a million a million do you understand me he added as he shook him nervously a million repeated venel as pale as death a million in other words at the present rate of interest an income of seventy thousand francs come monsieur said fouquet you can hardly refuse that answer do you accept impossible murmured venel aramis bit his lips and something like a cloud seemed to pass over his face the thunder behind this cloud could easily be imagined he still kept his hold on venel you have purchased the appointment for fifteen hundred thousand francs i think well you will receive these fifteen hundred thousand francs back again by paying monsieur fouquet a visit and shaking hands with him on the bargain you will have become a gainer of a million and a half you get honor and profit at the same time monsieur venel i cannot do it said venel hoarsely very well replied aramis who had grasped venel so tightly by the coat that when he let go his hold venel staggered back a few paces very well one can now see clearly enough your object in coming here yes said fouquet one can easily see that but said venel attempting to stand erect before the weakness of these two men of honor does the fellow presume to speak said aramis with the tone of an emperor fellow repeated venel the scoundrel i mean to say added aramis who had now resumed his usual self-possession come monsieur produce your deed of sale you have it about you i suppose in one of your pockets already prepared as an assassin holds his pistol or his dagger concealed under his cloak venel began to mutter something enough cried fouquet where is the deed venel tremblingly searched in his pockets and as he drew out his pocket-book a paper fell out of it while venel offered the other to fouquet aramis pounced upon the paper which had fallen out as soon as he recognized the handwriting i beg your pardon said venel that is a rough draft of the deed i see that very clearly retorted aramis with a smile more cutting than a lash of a whip and what i admire most is that this draft is in monsieur colbert's handwriting look monseigneur look and he handed the draft to fouquet who recognized the truth of the fact for covered with erasures with inserted words the margins filled with additions this deed a living proof of colbert's plot had just revealed everything to its unhappy victim 
"'Well,' murmured Fouquet, Vanel, completely humiliated, seemed as if he were looking for some hole wherein to hide himself. "'Well,' said Aramis, "'if your name were not Fouquet, and if your enemy's name were not Colbert, if you had not this mean thief before you, I should say to you, repudiate it. Such a proof as this absolves you from your word. But these fellows would think you were afraid. They would fear you less than they do.' therefore sign the deed at once and he held out a pen toward him fouquet pressed aramis's hand but instead of the deed which vanel handed to him he took the rough draft of it no not that paper said aramis hastily this is the one the other is too precious a document for you to part with no no replied fouquet I will sign under Monsieur Colbert's own handwriting, even, and I write. The handwriting is approved of. He then signed and said, Here it is, Monsieur Vernel. And the latter seized the paper, dashed down the money, and was about to make his escape. One moment, said Aramis. Are you quite sure the exact amount is there? It ought to be counted over, Monsieur Vernel particularly since Monsieur Colbert makes presents of money to ladies, I see. Ah, that worthy Monsieur Colbert is not so generous as Monsieur Fouquet. And Aramis, spelling every word, every letter of the order of pay, distilled his wrath and his contempt drop by drop upon the miserable wretch who had to submit to this torture for a quarter of an hour, he was then dismissed, not in words, but by a gesture, as one dismisses or discharges a beggar or a menial. As soon as Vanel had gone, the minister and the prelate, their eyes fixed on each other, remained silent for a few moments. "'Well,' said Aramis, the first to break the silence, "'to what can that man be compared? Who?' At the very moment he is on the point of entering into a conflict with an enemy, armed from head to foot, panting for his life, presents himself for the contest utterly defenseless, throws down his arms and smiles and kisses his hands to his adversary in the most gracious manner. Good faith, Monsieur Fouquet, is a weapon which scoundrels frequently make use of against men of honor, and it answers their purpose men of honor ought in their turn also to make use of dishonest means against such scoundrels you would soon see how strong they would become without ceasing to be men of honor what they did would be termed the acts of a scoundrel replied fouquet far from that it would be merely coquetting or playing with the truth at all events since you have finished with this finale since you have deprived yourself of the happiness of confounding him by repudiating your word, and since you have given up, for the purpose of being used against yourself, the only weapon which can ruin you. My dear friend, said Fouquet mournfully, you are like the teacher of philosophy whom La Fontaine was telling us about the other day. He saw a child drowning and began to read him a lecture divided into three heads. Aramis smiled as he said, Philosophy. Yes, teacher, 
yes a drowning child yes but a child can be saved you shall see but first of all let us talk about business did you not some time ago he continued as fouquet looked at him with a bewildered air speak to me about an idea you had of giving a fete at vaux oh said fouquet that was when affairs were flourishing a fete i believe to which the king invited himself of his own accord no no my dear prelate a fete to which monsieur colbert advised the king to invite himself ah exactly as it would be a fete of so costly a character that you would be ruined in giving it precisely slow in happier days as i said just now i had a kind of pride in showing my enemies how inexhaustible my resources were i felt it a point of honor to strike them with amazement by creating millions under circumstances where they imagined nothing but bankruptcies and failures would follow but at present i am arranging my accounts with the state with the king with myself and i must now become a mean stingy man i shall be able to prove to the world that i can act or operate with my denier as i used to with my bags of pistoles and from to-morrow my equipages shall be sold my mansions mortgaged my expenses curtailed from to-morrow interrupted aramis quietly you will occupy yourself without the slightest delay with your fete at vaux which must hereafter be spoken of as one of the most magnificent productions of your most prosperous days are you mad chevalier d'herblay ay do you think so what do you mean then do you not know that a fete at vaux one of the very simplest possible character would cost four or five millions i do not speak of a fete of the very simplest possible character my dear superintendent but since the fete is to be given to the king replied fouquet who misunderstood aramis's idea it cannot be simple just so it ought to be on a scale of the most unbounded magnificence in that case i shall have to spend ten or twelve millions you shall spend twenty if you require it said aramis in a perfectly calm voice where shall i get them exclaimed fouquet that is my affair monsieur le surintendant and do not be uneasy for a moment about it the money shall be placed at once at your disposal the moment you have arranged the plans of your fete chevalier chevalier said fouquet giddy with amazement whither are you hurrying me across the gulf into which you were about to fall replied the bishop of van take hold of my cloak and throw fear aside why did you not tell me that sooner aramis there was a day when with one million only you could have saved me whilst to-day whilst to-day i can give you twenty said the prelate such is the case however the reason is very simple on the day you speak of 
I had not the million which you had need of at my disposal, whilst now I can easily procure the twenty millions we require. May heaven hear you and save me. Aramis resumed his usual smile, the expression of which was so singular. Heaven never fails to hear me, he said. I abandon myself to you unreservedly, Fouquet murmured. No, no, I do not understand it in that manner. I am unreservedly devoted to you. Therefore, as you have the clearest, the most delicate, and the most ingenuous mind of the two, you shall have entire control over the fete, even to the very smallest details. Only, only, said Fouquet, as a man accustomed to understand and appreciate the value of a parenthesis, well, then, leaving the entire invention of the details to you, I shall reserve to myself a general superintendence over the execution. In what way? I mean that you will make of me on that day a major-domo, a sort of inspector-general or factotum, something between a captain of the guard and manager or steward, I will look after the people, and will keep the keys of the doors. You will give your orders, of course, but will give them to no one but me. They will pass through my lips, to reach those for whom they are intended. You understand? No, I am very far from understanding. But you agree? Of course, of course, my friend. That is all I care about, then. Thanks. And now, go, and prepare your list of invitations. Whom shall I invite? Everybody you know. End of chapter 10. Recording by John Van Stan. Savannah, Georgia.